The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock. The Beast of Dolby Hall. Chapter 3 The weeks passed slowly at Dolby Hall. I was not a confident or resilient young man, and the melancholy of the house became my own. I yearned for conversation and company. I felt stifled by tedium. My musical sessions with Elsa were a welcome change, but rare. Forgive me, I'm a little tired. Not at all. You play perfectly. If anyone were to apologise, then it should be me. I dropped the time completely. Let's have tea, or it will be cold and Mrs Briars will be cross. Yes, good idea. It's a beautiful piece, though. Extremely difficult, but beautiful. I know I could do a proper job with repetition. You play it well. I need practice, I know. My reading is shocking. Not at all. But if you don't mind the tedium of hearing me toil, I know I can improve. It's not tedious at all. Thank you. And you are not tedious either, though you keep apologising. You're very kind. I'm so pleased to have found a companion. I, I mean, sorry, I mean a companion in music. Someone to play music with. I am pleased too. It takes the curse off the day, don't you think? Yes, completely. There is the work, the accounting books, but it's a lonely job, and if I'm honest, I appreciate the company. I feel for you, Virgil. Bored and lonely. You must go home. There is nothing for you here. Actually, home is not so very different. You're an only child? Yes, just me. Company is not the same thing as happiness. But a child should be surrounded by family and friends. The more, the better. Yes, I suppose so. There was school, of course. Children need friends. A child without friends will simply invent them. Yes, that's true. Did you have one? An imaginary friend? No. Did you? Yes, I did, actually. But don't <laughs> laugh. He was a funny chap in a green suit. A boy? In a green suit? He wasn't a child. That's odd, isn't it? And did he have a name? Look here, I think I should stop there. I'm beginning to sound rather strange. Not at all. There's nothing strange about unhappiness. I believe I was happy enough. But I will, I think. Go home, I mean. In a short while. Well. With Mr Elwood's permission, of course. Your books are almost up to date, and to keep them in good order is not an onerous task, I think. And I should see my father. And then, who knows? London. London, yes. We will miss you. But you must leave. Go soon. You have so much living to do. Yes, that's right. And you do too, I should think. I am happy here, Virgil. Yes, of course. Of course you are. No. Of course I am not. Who could be? But there's nothing to be done. My father tells me there is always something to be done. For you, yes, and you must go. Go and live in the world. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? You are young. Not so young. And you don't understand. You don't yet understand what life is or what it can do. It rarely, if ever, does what you expect. Things, people change when you thought they never would. Life is not a storybook that follows steadily from page to page. It is a pack of cards thrown into the air. You can try and catch the cards as they fall, but they will land where they will. Um, how did you hurt your arm? 
What? Your arm is bruised. It looks painful. Oh, it's hardly bruised. I can barely see anything. You have bruises on both your arms. It's nothing. Please, don't mention it. Very well. I won't. If you don't want me to. There's nothing to say on the matter. It's nothing. Nothing at all. But I would just like you to know that if you wanted to tell me something, anything, I would be very content to listen. I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about or how our conversation became so strange. Forgive me, but I feel that something troubles you and although it is none of my concern, I would like to help you, if I can, or at least try. You have been kind to me, so kind, and I... You must leave here. You are impertinent. Quite so. I'm sorry. We will play some more, but not now. Tomorrow. Yes. I must finish my work for the day. The night is coming on. Yes. It is a full moon, is it not? Yes. Yes, it is. Will you excuse me, Virgil? Mr. Kaylock. Yes, indeed. Elsa. You know, you mustn't worry about me. I know how to take care of myself. Yes. But if you needed my protection from anything, wild dogs or anything, please, you only have to ask. I need no protection, Virgil, from anything but myself. I am not frightened of wild dogs. I have a gun. Good night. I was now certain that Rufus Elwood was a brute, a wife-beater, and a bully. He might well be the Beast of Bristol. He might also be the Beast of Cropton Moor. And he was certainly the Beast of Dolby Hall. What was clear to me was that Elsa was in mortal danger. How much danger was soon to become shockingly apparent. For several days, the unease that had lived with us had grown to a palpable dread. That evening, Elwood was on fire with agitation. He carried a large set of keys and strode from room to room, testing the doors. The house must be secured. Carter! Doors, windows, everything bolted. Kaylock, you'd best stay in your room. May I ask why? The dogs may be back tonight. But why tonight? They are more active by moonlight. Carter! Where is the man? I am of no use to anybody in my room. You are no use to anybody out of it. Carter! Sir? Secure the stables, and then we must lock and bar every door and window. From dogs? Get moving, Carter, you dolt. You're standing like a dumb fool. Do you understand? Yes, sir. You want nothing to get into the house tonight. That's right. And you don't want nothing escaping it, neither. What the hell do you mean by that? Not. Don't walk away from me, you surly bastard! You'll not hit me again! I won't have it! Is that right? If you raise your hands to me, then I'll raise mine to you and we'll see who comes off the worst! By all the... You pathetic brute! Get out! Get out, you cretin! Leave this house! I don't want to see you back here! Get out! I'm going! And I'm pleased to be going! Out of my sight! And you, Kaylock... Stay out of my way. I made to obey him and headed out of the room to the hallway where Mrs. Briars bundled past with a stuffed carpet bag and clutching her herbs like a bouquet of dead flowers. Mrs. Briars? 
Are you leaving? I'm into town, Mr. Kaylock. Mr. Carter's bringing the carriage to the back door. I, I can't stay here. What? Why not? Oh, you better come too. But you better come now. Come straight away. What on earth for? Because you don't want to stay here tonight. What is going on? We're not safe, Mr. Kaylock. And if you have any sense, you'll get in the carriage and get away from here. You are making no sense, Mrs. Bryas. Are you frightened of Mr. Elwood? Is that it? I am frightened of what might happen tonight. And so should you be. Come on, then. We're leaving now. It's a full moon tonight. Are you coming, Mr. Kaylock? I don't understand what a full moon... There's no time for that. We're leaving now. Right now, Mr. Kaylock. Then I will stay, Mrs. Bryas. Suit yourself, Mr. Carter. And then they were gone, the carriage charging across the gravel to the moor beyond. That evening, as I lay on my bed, watching as the moon was revealed and concealed behind the dismal clouds, my restless mind was feverishly gnawing on the most outlandish of conclusions. Rufus Elwood was a beast, a killer, a demon, and tonight was a full moon. I was frightened to the point of nausea, but I was never stronger in my resolve. Elsa must be protected. The sounds of the house rose above the wind. Elsa! Elsa, come! It was unmistakable. Poor Elsa. I had to do something. I sat up. I paced the room. I beat my fists on my bed. And I did nothing. I listened as they left the upper floor and continued down through the house. Elsa! Elsa! Do not fight with me! Please let me go! I can't bear it! Come on! Come on! You will come to no harm! He was dragging her out of the house. I ran to the window. He was pulling her across the driveway. She pulled back, desperate to escape. Her cries tore into me like a scourge, burning me with anger. I threw open the door and hurtled down the stairs, through the main door, and into the night. Elwood! Stop! He was pulling Elsa across the grass towards the gatehouse. Come on! Rufus, no! Don't please! I must finish this! Take your hands off her, Elwood! What did I intend? What did I expect? I expected him to transform at any moment. I knew that if he did, I would have no chance at all. Kinnock, what the hell are you doing? Go back to the house! I will not. Let her be! He swung open the door and hurled Elsa inside. I jumped at Elwood before he could close the door. Get off me! Leave Elsa alone! We were fighting. To my amazement, I found myself striking at Elwood. He tried to push me aside and close the door on Elsa, but I was determined. He was wrong-footed, and we fell to the ground, flailing punches. I had no chance. He was soon holding me down, and though I struggled with every muscle, I was helpless. You damn fool! I cannot let you hurt Elsa! Enough! Elsa! Elsa! Rufus was off me now, and staring into the darkness of the room. She's gone! He stared down at me on the ground, his face burning with rage. You let her go! Are you mad? Thank God she has got away from you at last. Elsa! She has gone to the moor. Damn you! She's frightened, and I know why. He looked out towards the moor, 
straining to see in the blackness, and then turned and looked down at me, still prone on the ground. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a revolver. Elwood? No. He checked the gun's chamber. Keep away! Go back to the house, lock the doors, and you may survive this night. I will not. I cannot let you hurt her. Stop, Elwood. I beg you, stop. Get off me. You don't know what you're doing. I know that you were a bully and that you hurt your wife. I know that she is gentle and kind. I know she is scared of you. The whole house is scared of you, of what you are. I know what you are. And what am I? You are insane. A killer. You are a monster. She is not what you think, Kaylock. She is the monster. She is the beast. And I must... End this now! Elsa, you are lying. It is you. I know it is you. Give me your gun. It is not my gun. It is Elsa's. Primed with silver bullets. She intended to end herself tonight before she changed into a devil. She would have been safe in this room. God damn you! We all would have been safe if you hadn't blundered in. You are a fool, and now you have killed her. No, it's not true. Oh my God. Get out of my way. I lay in the doorway, felled by the butt of the revolver. Within minutes, I came to with blood trickling down my face. Pulling myself up from the floor, I pushed out into the night and on to Cropton Moor. Elwood! Elwood! I stumbled and fell across the uneven ground. I had no clear direction, just the desperate need to save Elsa, to save her from Rufus, to save her from herself. In no time, I was hopelessly lost. That cry again, it could not be Elsa. I forced myself on in pursuit. Elwood! No! For God's sake, no! The gunshot briefly illuminated a patch of steep hillside and gave me my direction. I found myself desperately charging up the slopes of Hawthorne Crag. Elsa! Enough! It is time! His sleeve was torn and bloody as he raised the gun again. Following his line of vision, I saw her shape standing still, only yards away, helpless. Elsa. Elsa! Without thinking, I threw myself at Elwood, knocking the gun from his hand and sending him to the ground. And then I ran towards her. Elsa! Elsa! Go! You must run! Why did she not run, try to escape? But then, as I was within a few feet of her, Something about her brought me to a halt. Elsa stood motionless in the moonlight. Her feet were bare and filthy. Her dress was torn and her hair hung limply over her face. Yet her posture was upright, almost formal. Her hands clasped demurely in front of her. She stared at me with dark eyes. Froth formed at the corner of her mouth. And then, and then she threw her head back and cried up to the night sky. A tremor took hold of her, and she began to shake. She looked quizzically down at her body, and then with a grunt, 
fell to the ground, and for a brief moment, she lay still. Elsa? A groan, savage and strange, unlike anything I had ever heard, came from her prone form, and she began to move, to writhe. Her movements grew faster until, in a frenzy, she flailed on the ground. She clasped her hands to her stomach, her throat, and then up to cover her face as if in shame. And then... But then... From between her fingers... Hair... Hair bursting from her face. My God. Fear and revulsion coursed through me. Her back arched, her hands twisted and contorted. The soft, delicate skin now coarse and scabrous, and the... the hair... the fur engulfing her arms, her body. Her tongue protruded as her face began to warp and buckle and distend with teeth, animal fangs, and then, twisted and misshapen, she slowly rose to her feet. What was this thing, half-human, half-animal? Elsa! No, not an animal. A demon. There was nothing of Elsa in this foul monster. She twisted her head to one side as if she found me curious. Her ears fell back, and she squatted onto her four legs. A wolf indeed. Elsa, it's me. It's Virgil. Her eyes, cruel eyes, fixed on mine, savage and cold. The steam from her breath caught in the air. Elsa, how could I know? I'm sorry. I didn't flinch. We remained motionless, our gaze locked together. Her eyes seemed to soften, to recognize me, just for a moment. And then, she leapt. <coughs> the bullet hit her head, and she was thrown back in midair. The beast, Elsa, twisted in the moonlight as if in a savage dance. She balanced momentarily on the brink of the cliff, then her demonic frame collapsed, and she fell silently over the precipice and into oblivion. Elsa! We found her at the foot of Hawthorne Crag, her pale and perfect skin incandescent in the darkness. A trace of blood trickled from her mouth, and her eyes stared sightlessly up at the pitiless moon. My God, Elsa. In my blind foolishness, I was responsible for the destruction of two souls that night. Without my callow interference, Rufus Elwood may have kept his sanity, and Elsa, Elsa might have lived. The world is full of monsters. There are those that must be destroyed, but there are many more that need to be saved. Some are in the shape of beasts, but most are in the shape of men. By what providence, I know not, but the course of my life has been dedicated to finding them out. I am Virgil Kalok. Good night.
Part 3 of The Beast of Dolby Hall, written by John Ram. Virgil Kalock was played by Nicholas Bolton. Rufus Elwood, Sam Dale. Elsa Elwood, Emma Pallant. Mrs. Briars, Rachel Atkins. And young Kalock, Daniel Fraser. The music was composed by Neil Brown. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kalock are supported by the Arts Council Lottery Fund and produced by Martin Malone, Richard Varman, and John Rao. It is a Kalock production. <laughs>